Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Grover, and welcome to another episode of the Rip Royal Reds podcast. I'm joined, as ever, by my co-host, Jace, on a stressful Wednesday evening, I think is probably <laughs> accurate. Jace, is that right? Good evening, mate. Yeah, I mean, it's been a stressful day, but, you know, we're podding now, so it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's all in the past. Um, I like the art behind you. It's very, uh, very artistic. 50 quid, Donnell. Look at that. The guy knows how to find like the bar. Two years ago. <laughs> I chose it, though. Uh, Just appro- my wife approved. Can you believe it? Does he? Well, I mean, on the same wavelength. Just like me and you, mate, through this podcast, I imagine we're going to be in sync. Uh, how are you feeling uh, 24 hours removed from that from that game? How you you know, you absorbed it? You taking it all in? Yeah, we passed the test, right? I mean, we'll go into it. We passed the test. Maybe we passed it with flying colours is another question, but we passed the test. <laughs> oh, I like that. It's a very uh, uh, diplomatic answer. I'll get I'll get into the uh, the intro music then, and then uh, we'll get into our rip roaring review. Let's do it. Saka. Saka. You can tell I obviously didn't turn off the loop, but I managed to turn the music down just before it did, so I got away with it. (laughs) <laughs> almost <laughs> right uh we're gonna uh i just said it beforehand but we're gonna do what we always do we're gonna get into a rip room review uh i'm interested because this one like you said jace was probably a performance that you know had a bit of everything maybe but maybe your rip review is not going to be about the performance where are you going talk to me yeah i wanted to mix it up a little my i got a question it's a question for you would like you to answer it but i'll make the statement first and Maybe share my view first. I know I'm I'm supposed to go first with reviews. Um, is party done? Question mark. Is it time up? Should he have already gone? Um, my answer to that is I still think he has potential and um, he is a great... He's even had some performances this season when when he has been exceptional before before being injured and proved why we need him. But I just have this inkling that something isn't right between him and Arteta. Continuous injuries. Um, the fact that he came back and was fit and he didn't play and he, you know, went away and played for Ghana. Um I'm I'm like there's something there's something sus here. Obviously he supposedly last night had an injury, but um yeah, so I, I think something's sus. Want your view on it. What I will say is I I don't I Jorginho, every time I see him in the lineup, I'm a bit like, so that's why I'm asking the question because yeah. I, want, I want party back. But my question to you is, he done? Yeah, I mean, we we talked on previous pods about his his record because, like, we kind of said maybe he can play like sixty percent of the games a season, and I I would say um, that we we bought in Rice on the pretense that we knew he was on the way out. Because we knew he was kind of the successor to that that party role, and I know that you said a lot of times that party and the rice is the double pivot you'd like to see. Um, 
I don't think he has a future at Arsenal. Uh, the injury record, the the personal other stuff that's kind of happening that I probably won't go into here. But I, I just don't necessarily feel um, that he's yeah that he's got a future at the club. I just can't see it. He's not he's not healthy enough to play at this level for a, a string of games, and I don't think you can wheel him out when you're playing your cities, your Uniteds, your Chelseas. I don't think we can just do that as as and when we see. So. Yeah, I think he is. Yeah. I I get the impression that that might be the case from Marteta's perspective too. There's a heavy reliance on Jorginho. Now, Jorginho is perfect to come in off the bench, play 20 minutes. He's a great professional. But I have... I just don't have confidence when I see him in, in the pivot of our midfield. Mm-hmm. I, I, I away in Seville, it didn't fill me with confidence. I was surprised he started against Chelsea. I was like, where's party? Um, and just the one thing to add from, you know, I'll start by just mentioning his performance last night. So I know, I don't think he's on our main agenda to discuss in too much detail. That, that, that role, Arteta calls, calls it the Jorginho role. That was what the role was based off of. But he just passes it sideways and backwards. Thomas Party always tries to make either with a quick feet, make his way through, find the hole. It's always forwards. And I, I, I don't know, my observation, especially what I was seeing last night, and I was really focusing on last night because I, I was worried about him, was that, and I end my observation, what I thought was, was accurate from what I saw. It's just always sideways, always backwards. And I know we're trying to find the hole. And I think it was a major problem against Chelsea as well. And um, yeah, just, I don't know. Part of me is like, I can't, we need to solve that problem. Especially the fact that Party, even if he does ever get fit and does get back on the side, he's going away to African Cup of Nations anyway. Like we, we talked about midfield depth at the beginning of the season. I said, I wanted to keep Xhaka and bring Rice in. And I feel like I'm vindicated at the moment. And um we need to solve that problem. Maybe, maybe we're planning for an eventuality without him, like you say, maybe we, because we know the AFCON's coming up, that we're just going to have to work with that in mind. And, uh, you know, that might play into the fact that Tommy is is playing a bit more as well, because then he won't be able, yeah, Tommy goes to the Asia Cup in the same uh, time frame. We might have to go through a period of games where we don't rely on him either. Let's see. Gonna apologize. I have some mic issues. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Yeah, you're coming through my laptop though. Jason's full of problems. Tonight. I am full of problems today. <laughs> All right, I'll give you mine while you uh try and sort yourself out, Jason. Yeah, give me a room uh, review. Yeah, I will do. Um, so for me, I had uh, a couple. I was wondering which way you were gonna go, and then I was gonna pivot based on that. So I'm going to go with, uh, this is not the Europa League group that we expected or thought was going to happen. I think either me or you, probably me, talked about in a previous podcast that this this group smelt like Europa League all over it. Um, it had, you know, Lons, who have no Champions League pedigree. It had Sevilla, who are pedigree, but in the Europa League, uh, they are the, the, the kind of uh, target setters. They are the pace setters that everyone goes after. 
Um, and then we've got PSV, which, you know, are in, in and out, but are not necessarily anything to be kind of writing home about. So looking at that group, we were kind of like, throw Europa, we're probably going to, you know, absolutely trounce those teams. And when we walked into PSV at home, 1-4-0, it was kind of like, yeah, here we are. Announce ourselves on the Champions League stage and watch us do our thing and, and you know, kind of win that game. Then we went to Lons, we lost, and it was kind of like, oh, no, what, what, you know, and this is where I think in the previous part that I talked about, if we we cannot lose this game, we either have to uh, win it or we have to draw it. We cannot afford to lose, and luckily, obviously, we didn't. But there were some there were some doubts in that game. I'm sure we'll get onto them later. But for me, this is just not the Europa League group that I expected it to be. And I'm glad that we're kind of in the position that we're in now because I think we're in the driver's seat. I think we're in prime position now. We get some points at home. I think we can smash Lons at home, no doubt about that. We've, we've proven that we can beat, well, I mean, maybe I'm talking too much that we've obviously already lost against them, but I think it's a lot easier game than it should have been. So I, I think, you know, we're we're there now. I just am a bit, I'm breathing a bit of a sigh of relief that we won that game. You heard it here first. We are going to smash Lons at home. Robert Greville's words, I'll stand, smash. I'll, I'll stand by it. I'll stand by it. I'll even use that as the description when the video goes up, so don't you worry about that, Jace. <laughs> right. I look forward to it. Well, me too. Um, right, we're going to go on to uh, our first subject, which I uh, I entitled, uh, The Lord Giveth and the Lord Taketh Away. I was pretty proud of this one, actually. Um, Scabby Jesus, uh, the man that walks on water and turns it into wine, uh, announced himself in this game in absolute sublime uh, fashion. And I think that, you know, this is a, a, a player with absolute uh, skin in the game when it comes to the Champions League and, and really has proven himself to be an immensely talented player. Um, what do you want to say about uh, the goal in particular? Uh, and the assi- probably the assist, actually, I think was probably more, uh, more... I can't tell what's more impressive, actually. You tell me. What do you think was more impressive? Assist, 100%. 100% the assist. It might, I don't know, for, for me, um, I, was the turn? The Croy, the Croy in the middle of nowhere. I, I have a very sweet spot for intelligent turns. Odegaard is usually the one I'm expecting them from. Like, come out of nothing, can just completely move two players and create space. Um, but you know the intelligence to be able to do that he opened up a whole part of the pitch as a result of doing that he then had the players around him completely out of position um and then to find the part i mean i was about to say to find the pass for martinelli but in a way like when you've only got one person sprinting forward and the other players are out of positions. Like it's a kind of like it, it turned into a, it turns a little bit like Route One football at that very moment, if that makes sense. Like it was mm-hmm. like the only option you got, so you better make the right ball. Like you might better make the ball right, but he did. It was it was a it was a beautiful ball, and um, there's something like the finish by Martinelli as well. Uh, I mean, we'll go on and speak more about Martinelli, but you know, uh, that's that's my favourite Martinelli. That's what I will say. That that kind of um you know, I think he's done it, you know, when he plows through the middle at pace and gets past he, does, he seems the... to get like a one on one, a lot of them where 
And he is really good. I mean, he did have one earlier on in the game that he didn't put away and probably should have. And maybe he learned from his mistake when it came to that, that he took it around the keeper this time and, yeah, did the business. Well, yeah, I mean, if he, that was Jesus' assist as well, right? So I think I wanted to mention that because I made a note about that uh, as well. Like, again, that was a perfectly timed ball. It could have been offside. Like, there was a risk there. But again, Martin held his run at the right point. Um, Jesus played a lovely ball. I think... We've missed that this season, um, that Martinelli-Jesus connection that we saw so prominently last year, especially up until the point Jesus got injured. Those two were, were just clicking really well. And, and, and I I feel like that's the first time in a long time we've seen that little, that little, that little kind of little bit of, uh, of connection from, from those two. So I think that really contributed and, and helped Jesus' all-round performance. But yeah, for me... The, the 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 assist for the for Martinez goal was the the standout piece. What about what about you? Well, I'm going to have to choose the goal now, Jace. Thanks, mate. Um, uh, no, I mean the the goal was fantastic, but I would say that like it's we we've commented quite a lot in the past about his uh, lack of finishing. Um, he seems to kind of maybe overthink or overcomplicate when he's in the box. Um, you said it plenty of times before. I want a lot more than just goals uh, from Gabby Jesus, and and you got that in in spades in this game. Um, and it really annoyingly, I think he'd missed a, uh, an opportunity earlier on in the game, and I was writing notes, and I kind of went, "Oh, here we go. It's the Jason's going to be vindicated because he's had a performance where Jesus has played his game, dropped deep." Uh, you know, bringing players into the game, you know, having a really good partnership on the left-hand side, but not doing the thing that I'd like a number nine to do. And then he goes and bangs in an absolute corker of a goal and I'm here eating my words. So, I mean, I'm totally fine with that. If if that means you win a game away from home in the Champions League, I'll, I'll, I'll quite happily swallow it. Um, and this, this had everything. So the goal, the assist, he also maybe picked up an injury. Who knows? Um, it it kind of looked okay, kind of hobbling, but not really... You know, he walks off the pitch. Such so usually a good sign. Yeah, I mean, I was reading hamstring, um, which I mean, if it's a light strain, then that's nothing. So let's hope that's what. Yeah, it. I'm. I'm hoping he's alright because obviously, like you say, he's come back from an injury and he is creating that good partnership with the uh, players in the team. Um, and I don't necessarily think that, well, I mean, we've got a relatively okay run of games coming up and Eddie and Ketia can probably kind of step in, but I would prefer to see Jesus. But his his Champions League experience is kind of uh, so invaluable to our team. To and, and I think he scores a goal like every other Champions League game. That's his record. I think he's scored in every single one for us um, so far. He's got an incredible record. Um, and we we will need him. We will need him and that experience should we manage to get top of this group, which is looking likely and moving on to um, the uh, elimination stages. So, yeah, really happy with his performance here. And certainly, uh, you know, he had a pretty much a stinker against Chelsea, right? So it's good for him to, to bounce back and really announce himself in this game particularly. Yeah. Yeah, no, I know. I, I'm happy. Uh, I mean, there's, we've already had the, the strike conversation in previous podcasts about who else we need to bring in there. But um, I'll take that performance uh, any day of the week. Yeah, definitely. Right. Uh, next uh, topic. I put man of the match question mark because I think there were a lot of players out there that probably 
deserve a shout. I think actually eventually it did go to Jesus. I'm sure I saw a picture of him on social media holding the old uh, Man of the Match award on the pitch. And so we're not going to be giving it to him, Jace, but uh, uh, we talked a little bit before the pod went on the air um, about the players that we thought deserved a mention and kind of uh, stood out. I'm going to let you go first and pick uh, your cream of the crop. I want to give a big shout out. Also, maybe slightly an apology to Tommy Asu. Um at the start of the season, I was going keep Tierney, sell Tommy. I don't, we don't uh, uh, you know, because uh, we, we it felt like Timber and White with right back was covered, and it felt like we were going to be light at left back. And I felt uh, Tommy Asu was making, especially you know, there's a couple of games last season, Man City being the one that stuck stuck out where he played that bad back pass, um, and so. I was at the preseason going, if we've got to sell a wing back, like sell, sell Tommy, I am happy to eat humble pie. In fact, I'd love a pie right now. There's like a. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, he had a. Um, he has been this season a say, very, very safe pair of hands um, in either of the fullback positions, but particularly strong in the left-back position. Um, Stability has learned to play the pivot role, which isn't his usual game. He's driving forward. He's actually creating attacking threats. Like I felt like what we were missing this season in regards to that bit of combination play on the left side, he, he, this game really showed kind of filled in where we had that gap previously. I mean, like Xhaka and Zinni that played like last season because we had a lot of that link up in that left hand channel. Yeah, absolutely. He was he was really good in those positions, but at the same time, you know, we talked about it after Chelsea that like his man marking, his defending is just at a higher level and standard than Zinni. Um, and I wasn't surprised to see him start after his second half performance against Chelsea and, and Zinni's first half. I think away in 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 Spain in intimidating atmosphere, um, it was it was a really strong performance uh, for you know for someone who hasn't played a lot of games either, right? You know he's he, he well he's had a lot of substitute appearances, but he's not started. So to go away, start in the Champions League, he turned up, he played really well, and. Um, yeah, for me, he was he was our you know, standout player in my eyes. I I, I particularly had him down in my notes. So it's, a, it's a bit of a vindication game for for, for Tommy Asu. I'm with you on everything you've said there. Like his, uh, I, I think Zidane needs a rest now. Tommy's going to be the one that kind of starts in that position. I think he deserves it. Push super high. He played everywhere as well. You, you just find him cropping up in random positions it's it's very rare to find someone so adept at playing such a, a range of positions and playing them all so well it's such a high level like we've seen plenty of other players that drop into random positions and the drop off is quite stark this was one where it wasn't so yeah I'm super super with you but is he your man in the match or is it someone else um I would have said I would have said Tommy. I would have agreed with you. I think, and that's just because I think it was unexpected. Um, but I am going to go uh, to to obviously rebuttal you uh, for um, I suppose a player that we talked about before is is Declan Rice. 
Um, I'm, I'm truly running out of superlatives to, to kind of uh, talk about Declan Rice. He, his, his physicality, his determination, his strength, um, his control, like, and, and none of this is hyperbole. He is every ounce of that 105 million pound player that we signed and more. Like we've said it before, no one is talking about how much he costs because he is just crazily good crazily good how he's just fitted into this system i i the, the thing that i feel is the most crazy for me at the moment as he there was moments in this game in previous games where he's trying to drag this team back into the game he did it against chelsea he also did it here there was a run that he had through the middle which if he had have picked the right pass i don't think he picked the right pass I think he went right and I think he should have gone left and it would have freed up a, a, a um, I can't remember who was it because it wasn't Martinelli, it must have been Trossard um, or someone. Just, you know, he really scruff of the neck, drags this team through and it shows an, uh, an, um, a, a crazy amount of maturity and like experience that you wouldn't have expected him to have, I don't think, in, in playing for West Ham and having the moments that he's had there. Um and one thing that I wrote in my notes is uh, the second half. So we went 1-0 up, moved into the second half. And I'll start in the second half. Like, they they really did pile on some pressure onto us. Um, and I, when they came back, uh, when they did get another goal, so when we did go 2 and then 2-1, I really thought that if, because we haven't killed the game, they were going to come back into it. We were going to let them come back into it as we have done previously, and like you've 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 mentioned the atmosphere, like the cauldron-like atmosphere that this ground was creating, all the flags, the closeness to the pitch, the rain, the wet—you know—all of that kind of had my in my mind thinking, "Oh shit, they're going to get back into this." And his, you know, Rice's composure, his ability, his uh, control, everything about his play is so so assured like every time he's on the ball i'm just like ah, oh, i know what he's going to do and it's going to be so well done and he just like i said about tommy a little bit he just creeps up in positions that you just like there was a point where he was like defending at left back and then like did such a good job and cleared the ball and he did it like twice in a row but what are you doing there like and he just crops up in positions where he's just able to kind of really help this team and he is the player for me that really stood up and was counted during this game and against Chelsea as well. He's done it a few games now. In moments where we've needed him, that's what you're paying that type of money for. Man United, Chelsea game, this game, big, big moments. This is what he, I, I'm sure this is what Declan Rice wanted when he came to Arsenal. Moments like this where he can go an away night Champions League, when that music hits, I can imagine a beaming smile inside of him waiting for this moment and announcing himself on such a stage. Just incredible, and I, I'm so happy. I don't want to. There's a previous word that you used on a podcast. You said oozing, and it's uh, it gives me connotations of disgustingness, uh, Jason. But also fills me with like I, I feel like I'm oozing for Declan Rice right now. I mean, I, I just let you go there, mate. I didn't even step in. I think you've. Uh, if I didn't know anything, I'd say you have a thing for Declan. Um, He's a good-looking fella, to be honest. My wife did say on the TV when the game's on, it wasn't last night here against Chelsea. Like, Who's that? Who's he? Uh, it's either Martin Erdegaard or Declan Rice. They're the two that usually stand out, whereas the uh, obviously they're much more attractive than I am, which isn't saying much, I realise. Oh, you put yourself down, mate. You put yourself down. I was waiting for you to come and say, no, you're not, Grav. You're really attractive, but you didn't, and it wasn't quick enough. So I'm really disappointed in you. <laughs> Well, that's because I'm trying to be careful with the mute button because my headphones <laughs> are 
that is true. Sorry. Right. So actually, was there, you know, out of those two, there maybe is another player that could be construed as a as a man of the match. Would you do you think Martinelli could be a winner's shout? Yeah, I mean, you have to applaud his performance. Um, his goal was great. He should. I'm going to say no, only because he didn't score two. Um, I, I think he should have done better with the first chance and the first uh, free ball from, from Jesus. But at the same time, he's he came really good. He he wasn't intimidated by the atmosphere. He seemed really up for it as well. Um, and he's been he's been scoring of recent. I think since you know, kind of, we talked about him having not scored for quite a while and then he did and now he's scoring quite regularly which is which is great because actually I think Saka has gone off the boil on the other way on the other wing so it's good to have them uh, supplement each other um but yeah I I, I probably couldn't quite give him man the match I think uh I think good performance but not 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 man the match today yeah I'd, I'd agree with you there. Um, although I think the first 20, 20, 30 minutes of this game, every good thing that we were doing was going through Martinelli. And I think he had that left side on lockdown, was really impressive. I, I, one thing that just excites me, well, that, that is it. Every time he has the ball, it, it's exciting. He always feels like he wants to drive forward, even if it doesn't come off and even if it gets tackled or sometimes he runs into channels where there's no space and he, he kind of just runs out of room and it, it, he's like a dog chasing cars a little bit. Um, but it does always feel a bit like, oh, what's going to happen next when Martinelli's got the ball? Like, I think when Saka gets the ball, we know he's going to try and cut inside and he's going to try and bang that left foot. Happens every single time. He had won this game, which didn't, he got blocked. But Martinelli is like, oh, what's going to happen? Anything can happen. Speaking of which, uh, that one where Saka did have, it was a, he was on the counter. Um, do you think he made the wrong decision? The reason I asked that is because he cut in and got blocked. But I reckon if he'd have gone one or two seconds earlier and shot with his right foot, the keeper was well off his line and there was a big... I saw off. that. It was like the Raya one when Mudrick, <laughs> like, you know... It... I agree with you. There was, I, I think we, because we haven't talked about Saka for a while. I totally agree. He's he's certainly gone off the boil. I I do feel he's got a niggle. I do feel he's quite either in his own head or his confidence or something is not there that's really allowing him to express himself in the usual manner that he does. And I think that's why maybe he's being slightly more conservative than he normally would be. Yeah, I agree. There's something not quite right there. Um... I mean, I think Arteta's just trying to play him into form, but I sometimes feel it might be playing him out of form. But we have to trust in the in the manager in the process. But I was, I don't know, he, Saka seems like such a sharp, intelligent player. Like, if you and I saw that gap, or both saw that same gap on the TV, like, I can't believe he, that mm. he didn't, you know, if we were playing football on a Monday night, you know I'd have Shoo! Shoo! Yeah, you would have been giving it all of that. Um, I, I read on Twitter, here's a good uh, stat just before we move on. Uh, so Martinelli has now scored in his Champions League debut, his Europa League debut, his Premier League debut and his League Cup debut. He's only missing the FA Cup debut, unfortunately, which he's obviously not going to get now. But I thought it was just an incredible stat to kind of see one of those weird coincidental ones. And his Champions League final debut. 
<laughs> Not that you're getting ahead of yourself. <laughs> right. Um, it's been a relatively positive uh, podcast so far. So I'm going to bring the mood down. Uh, I'm going to talk about some some creeping doubts. Um, I think for me, I started taking obviously notes as part of the first half and I was kind of uh, worried. Although Sevilla looked anything kind of dangerous or attacking, they had a lot of the ball. We weren't necessarily playing our game. I don't think Arteta ball um, that we were playing last year has really hit. I don't think we've got kind of about a second or third gear um, this season yet, which is probably a good thing. Like I said, it's a marathon, not a sprint. But there are certain players here that, although we've we've uh, accounted for the ones that are standing up and, and kind of being recognised, there are certainly some players that are going off the boil. Um, and I've got some doubts. But I wonder if you've got the same doubts, Jace. Who who do you think have you got doubts about in this starting eleven that you've you've kind of noticed? So, I mean, I've been pretty consistent in previous pods talking about this. So I hope this won't be a surprise to anyone. But Martin has been completely off the boil. Creativity is down. Spark, uh, just that creative magic spark is, and I'm not seeing it. Um, he's giving away more. I think I've said this. Like he's giving away several passes. He just never would. Like I, we look to him a lot to run games, and I'm now we're now looking more at Rice to run the games in the midfield. So for me, my creeping doubt. I don't like. Do you know what it is? I don't actually think it's creeping, like creeping doubt on Odegaard. I'm not, but I think it's more, it's more just he's not in a good patch of form and he probably needs a rest. Probably needs to be taken out the side. That's what I think for a couple of games, see, and then put him back in. But who, who, who takes his place if, if, if that happens? I know what me. you're probably going to say. You. <laughs> uh, um, uh, I mean, obviously, or, well, here's an interesting idea, habits. I didn't even think about that one. I thought I, I knew where you, well, I thought I knew where you were going to go, and that's Emil Smith-Rowe. I was actually, well, I would have gone Fabio, but, yeah. We've got so many, that's the thing, right? We've got so many luxuries in that area, in theory, on paper, but we don't seem to have confidence in some of them to actually play it's like, I mean, in in the game that's coming up, we got Sheffield United right at the weekend. That feels to me, uh, have they are they bottom? I think they're bottom. I don't think they've won a game this season. I think they've drawn one game so far. Like, if there's an opportunity to give him a rest and try somebody else in that position, that feels like the perfect one. To confirm, they are bottom with nine games, zero wins, one draw, and eight defeats. So, yeah, so one point. Why wouldn't you? Minus 17 goal difference. Yeah, you got to. You've got to. Do you uh, think, think he's he played badly enough that you think he should be dropped then? Mm. It's like the same with Saka. Him and Saka, for me, are in the same place. They both started the season relatively well when we were seeing their praises. And then they've both gone off the boil similar times and we're now relying on Jesus and Martinelli. It's like our attack has pivoted from one side of the pitch to the other, to the right, to the left. Um, and sometimes I just believe that people need to be taken out of the line like and, and given that switch off time to recalibrate themselves and come back firing. And I don't think he... 
because he wears the captain's armband as well. I don't think he's given that opportunity. At the same time, also, like we've been subbing him a bit more, I've noticed, because he's uh, yeah, he's always handing the captain's armband over. Like, you know, give the give Rice the captain's armband for a bit. Give Odegaard a couple of games where we feel safe to off and, and, and bring him on as a sub if we have to. See if he can come on and change the game. Maybe that's what he needs to do. You know, to get that spark back, to get that creativeness back, to, to, to be brought on and change a game. Because you can have much more impact on changing a game coming on than starting. And, and starting for him is it's not working at the moment. So, I don't know. That's, that's maybe what I'd do in, in, in games where we feel safe doing so. So, what's that? I mean, you've got Sheffield United. Is it League Cup next week if we were Champions League this week? Uh, possibly, yeah. But our next Premier League game is Newcastle. So, probably not that one. We must be playing Brentford. Is it Brentford we've got or would we already be Brentford? No, we've got West Ham in the League Cup. we got West Ham. Away, away West Ham next Wednesday. Um, yeah, I wouldn't start Odegaard in that. And I wouldn't start him at Sheffield United. So give him some time off. Give him a week and a half off. Play him at Newcastle on, on Saturday the 4th. Hmm. I mean, I, I think I'd probably agree with you. Um, the only thing is I've seen a bit of a debate on uh, socials about, and, and we talked maybe about this, not on the pod, but like, he kind of presses a lot and you see him lead the press and he, you see him flap his arms around a little bit, trying to get other players to kind of get involved. And he feels like he's doing it on his own. And I don't know if he's getting uh, stressed out about that or frustrated with it, but like he's the captain. He should be coordinating and organizing that press on the pitch when it needs to happen. And I kind of feel like he's doing it on his own. And then when it doesn't work out because the other players aren't with him, because he hasn't instructed them to do so, then it's falling apart and he's kind of flapping his hands a little bit about it. And I do feel that that kind of comes in a little bit to play there. Although to people, he's coming across as um, trying, but I just don't think he's trying in the right way for me. You're saying that there's a better way to assert your team on a certain situation and that the way he is trying isn't bringing the team with him and that he needs to be more disciplined, more coordinated, communicate better. That's what, that's what I think, yeah. Yeah, I think so. And he's the captain. That's kind of his role. And I, I would imagine that Arteta has instructed them to play and act in a certain way, of course. And maybe he's enacting that and the other players aren't. But it just comes across to me that he does it. I've seen it so often. He would turn like he would turn left to see where that path has gone. Whoever the player is supposed to be there is not tight enough to their man, and they break through the lines. Then and it happens again and again and again. And I kind of feel that either he needs to coordinate that on the pitch, or he needs to not press and sit back like the rest of them are doing. It's one or the other. As the captain, that's the the role that he plays. Yes, I definitely see that. If I was to say he doesn't come across as the kind of captain that most clubs have, would you agree or disagree? Uh, it depends. He, he's quite quiet, quite reserved. He comes across. He's also he looks shy. I would say he doesn't. He, he doesn't strike me as the kind of captain that's going to be shouting and lambasting players for not behaving or acting or doing things in the right way. If that's what you're kind of comparing him to, then. 
you know, he's not an, an Adams. You know, he's not. I don't know where your kind of your yardstick is. Declan Rice at West Ham. Mm, well, that's what I think. I think you know, I see Declan now certainly pulling himself into that mold, and I, I know it's probably too early that he would get when when uh, Odegaard go went off. He, he gave it to Jesus. Um, I'm sure at some point it will make its way over to Rice. Maybe not officially, but certainly when he comes off and stuff like that, or in games where he's not starting. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, yeah, uh, let's let's move on. You 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 wanted to talk about someone else in the creeping doubt section. Is this a? Is this a, actually? I've got a question. If you're talking about the person, I think you're going to talk about. Should we keep talking about it? <laughs> I mean, we're going to have to. Um... So uh, obviously, Jason knows I want to talk about David Rea. Um, and, you know, I, I really get this impression right now that he just lives for this discussion. Like, I, <laughs> that, I know I'm mental in suggesting it, but like, I kind of, I just get this impression right now that he's just like, you know what? I'm just going to add more fuel to this fire. I'm going to add and stoke this fire a bit more. I'm going to add some more sort of debate because in this game, David Rea did the same. He 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 did those awful passes through the middle. There was at least two of them where one of them was intercepted and almost resulted in a goal. We got away with one um, and another one that maybe uh, not so much. I think we were just more switched on. And then, I mean, that punch, that punch, I was literally flabbergasted. I could not believe what I was watching. It is such a could have gone anywhere. It's one of those moments, you know, 50 50 is in the goal, outwards, whatever. It could have gone anywhere. And it's just so un, like uncontrolled. It is it's so Almunia. Uh Fabian it's so Fabianski. It's, it's just bad. It's just poor decision making. And like I just can't understand that we're still, like you say, I don't want to keep talking about it, but we, we have this debate every pod because it's like Ramsdale should have started this game, in my opinion. Should have started it. I think there was enough from the Chelsea game and the fact that probably shouldn't have got dropped in the first place. I think Arteta's got that grudge from the mistakes he made at Newcastle last season or the season before. But still, but here we are talking about it again and he's just making the same mistakes. And maybe, like you say, maybe the... Um, I'm sure I listened to this somewhere else before, that maybe the uh, stage that he's playing on and for is just bigger than he he can handle right at this very moment. He's just jumped from a Brentford to a mid-table at best to now playing in the most important Euro like club competition in the world for one of the biggest clubs in the world under one of the most, uh, um, I suppose, admired managers in the world and in current football. It's a big, it's a big platform. So basically, if I sum up very neatly what you've said from the start of your your arguments at the latter end, David Ryer is either shit housing us or not good enough. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's either one of those. I don't. Maybe it's just a. It will come with a bit more maturity. It will come with a bit more games. There's obviously whatever. Uh, uh, I can't remember what the goalkeeping coach's name is, Inachi, I think, or something along those lines. And Arteta, obviously, C and Rea. And like I've talked to you previously, statistically speaking, he is superior um, across the board. So maybe that risk and reward football that we play is just part and parcel of what I have to come to accept is going to happen. Maybe that's it. 
So yeah, and that and that actually sparks another. Yeah. So I, I don't have anything else to add on that because I think you summed it up perfectly. I feel the same way. I also feel Ramsdale should have started. What I did want to ask you off the back of your last comment there was you win the league or the Champions League, do you care how we play versus watching us play week in, week out like this? Like, and the reason I ask that, I'm going to answer the question before you do, because I have a view on that. But I preferred watching how we started the first half of last season. Like that just was entertaining. It was exciting. It lifted us. It was great. And this season, it feels like we've cemented how we played and just become, as I said, this kind of clinical team that, like, I'm a, I'm a little bit bored watching us. And I know that, like, people will be like, bloody hell, like, you know, we haven't been winning for such a long time. Like, don't don't get fussy all of a sudden. But um, I don't know, like, just some of the – we're passing it. I, I get what we're trying to do, and I support the team, and I back Arteta, but I, I also watch football to be excited. And there are a couple of moments of each, of each in each game of brilliance where we have a clinical, really good goal or a really good counter. But then there's a lot of the game is quite dull at times. Um, and And I just want... You know, I've been saying it every podcast. Where's the energy? Where's the energy? And I think, you know, in the last few podcasts, we've, you know, we've come to the conclusion that that's just not who we are anymore. We're this more clinical uh, kind of side. It takes opportunities when they have them and, and, and plays more defensively, I think. Um, and uh, I don't know. I'm, I Maybe I'm not quite happy about it and and i want to be entertained more but what's your real perspective on that you know what jace uh, we talked at the start of the pod about being uh in sync or on the same wavelength and this is such an interesting topic to me because in my written review i said i was going to do one or two things and the other one was exactly what you just said um I am slightly worried that we start games really, really slowly at the moment. We used to come out of the blocks, absolute blow teams out of the water, and we'd be up 3-0, and then we'd coast and we'd take players off and, you know, all of that, and the, the subs didn't matter. Whereas this season, we seem to be doing substitutions to make an impact because we need to change the game, um, and they're really working, um, which is which is good and bad at the same time. Um, but I'm kind of with you. It's certainly not as entertaining. But like you say, would you care at the end of the season? The one thing I say about this performance in particular, um, it was very, very disciplined, very, very controlled, and a really boring word for it, but it was very adult. Um, we've been talking about our team being a bunch of kids. Last season, the the second youngest team in the league, not too sure. I think we're the third youngest team in the league this year. You know, there's always a, an old saying that you never win with kids, right? Um, this was an adult performance. It was mature. It was grown up. It was disciplined. And, you know, if that's what it takes to to grind out wins like this and win the league, I agree that uh, a bit more Arteta ball would be lovely. Maybe it will come. I'm, I, I would take every day of the week, Jason, that moment when we can go up Holloway Road and we can be celebrating with a Premier League parade or a Champions League parade 
over that goal against Bournemouth by Reese Nelson any day of the week. And that is that's the thing that I hope for when we look at these type of performances. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I agree, but yeah, it does. It's, make... it's such a good, it's such a good debate. I totally agree with you because it's not, it's not as exciting. And I think watching that, watching the game last night in particular, it's quite nervy. It's not nice. It's, it's a bit of a horrible watch. We weren't, we weren't controlling that game by any means. Defensively, we were really good, really good, but we weren't controlling that game from a an attacking sense. I don't think. Didn't didn't they score one and then instantly hit the bar pretty quickly after as well? Yeah, that was offside though. So you know. That's what I said. <laughs> right. Um, parking lot. I don't know. Uh, I was only going to talk about Sheffield United's obviously coming up this weekend. We did brief, briefly touch upon it. It's uh, an opportunity for us to really put them to the sword, I would say. Do you, do you see a big win for us in this game? Not the way we're playing. Maybe like a 2-1, 3-1, 2-0. That's what I see. That's just the kind of team I think we are. I don't see us going smashing a team 4-5-0. I'd love us to, but you know what my prediction is going to be. So, Greg's holding up. I know, I know Jason three one. Jason loves a three one. Yeah, but you you would say that Odegaard's going to get uh, some time on the bench for this game. Then is that where you would go? Yeah, Emma Smith Rowe, and I'd like to see Ramsdale back, kick the back four, maybe Emma Smith Rowe, Abbott's maybe. Um, do you know what? I'd give old Nenny a game in the pivot role, take Jorginho out, see if something different happens. Sheffield United. We can't play El Nenny. El Nenny. When can you play him if you don't, right? Well, that's the point, right? If you can't play me at Sheffield United, you ain't going to play him, are you? What's he doing there? Yeah, He's yeah. just there to make up the numbers then. It's like, no, play El Nenny. I'm with you. I had a Question for you. Like, actually, maybe you give us your Sheffield United prediction first. Uh, 3-0. And starting lineup? I I don't think Odegaard gets dropped. I think we play the same team. Uh, we just swap in Havertz for Jorginho. Okay, I can see that. I can see that. So my question to you is... How many points do we finish with in the Champions League group? Ooh. Uh, I think 10. Uh, I think we will beat Lons at home, as I've already said. So I've got to stick to my guns. I think we will draw against Sevilla at home. Uh, and then I think we will lose to PSV away. So you have us finishing second in the group. Would that mean? Well, I, I still think we'll top the group with ten. What PSV? So second is Lons now, right? Because they won two, I think. What was uh, the last check? I'm going to have to fact check myself as as I always do. So, while you're doing <clears> that, I'll, I'll, I'll do my points prediction. I think mm -hmm. we will finish with twelve points. I think we'll beat Lons at home. I think we'll beat Sevilla at home. And I think we'll lose to PSV away because we won't ever. We just don't like that ground and that. Mm -hmm. 
So, so I think yeah, Lons Lon are on five, so they've won one and drawn two. Sevilla are on two points, and PSV are on two points. So if we, like I say, we're going to beat Lons, and I don't think that they'll be able to get, they might get one win out of the remaining two. <clears throat> That'll leave them with eight and us on ten. So I still think we're top of the group, even if we uh, draw one, win one, lose one. So PSV and Sevilla having drawn in previous games is kind of taking them a little bit out of the running, is what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, I still think if, if you think PSV can do us at home, and I also think they can probably do Lons, you know, that, that puts them on eight points and puts them meaning that it, it could go towards the end. Like I say, I still think we've got plenty in us to even, even if we don't top the group, I can't see us not qualifying based on the position that we see ourselves in at the moment. Fair enough. Nice. Yeah. All right. Top the group then. Top the group. Let's hope so. We need to. Um, right. Uh, that concludes another great episode. Thank you very much, Jace. If you're uh, watching this on YouTube, please do like, subscribe, comment. Uh, we would love to answer some questions on this pod when we do get the opportunity in the future. Jace, if they're listening to this on their podcast provider of choice, what does uh, Grev ask them to do? Please uh, kindly give us a five-star rating, a review if you wish to. Please keep it nice. And, uh, yeah, just download and keep listening. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, we'll see you again at the weekends, uh, hopefully after the Sheffield United. Although I know it's a 3 p.m. game, so uh, who knows what uh, me and Jace uh, might not be able to catch the game. We'll have to wait and see. Oh, um, yeah. It's not going to be on TV, is it? So, That's uh, right. Oh, I the UK. Yeah, I don't encourage streaming. So, yeah. Of course not. We would never even dream about it. Right. Thank you all. Enjoy the rest of your evening, and we'll see you again soon. Cheers, guys. Take care. Come on, you red, red, red. Come on, you red, red, red.